Pastor Adam Lavecki here. This is a sermon live from Rescue Church. We hope it blesses you. It is such an honor to be here with you guys today. It is um, a great honor to be with you. I'm going to move this up forward. And I, uh, I have an opportunity to, to thank you so much. Thank you. You got me a nice one. You know, it's not even Poland Springs, right? It's a bougie one. It's not the Costco brand. Um, I'm going to, should I move a little bit this way? The TV slide. Thank you. I need you in my life. See, Mark, why can't you be like him? I don't want a white assistant. I want a Korean assistant. Now. Because because I'm Hispanic, he thinks he's the boss all the time. So then, you know, he's always... And I love it in our church because he's like the white boy serving all the brown people. Okay, so... Um, um, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm brown, so... Yeah, I'm brown. Uh, yeah, okay, just... I'm Puerto Rican and Italian. More Puerto Rican. So, um... So, I said that to make, to make Adam laugh. Adam actually gave Mark the title White Mark. And, uh, and so can we give your pastor a round of applause because he's actually famous around the world. We go on the nations and they go, it's White Mark coming. I'm like, Adam, I'm like, Mark's like, oh my God. It's Uncle Adam, so he's Uncle Adam. So, okay, back to this. I'm super excited of being here. I have an opportunity to really travel around the world preaching the gospel and, you know, and telling people what to do sometimes. And, uh, and I, I, I've been really tired, right, Mark? We've been exhausted traveling up and down um, in airplanes, and, and, and it's been a very heavy season of travel. I, I, uh, I have to say this. I am super excited to be here today. And I don't know why. I mean, we're, I mean because of you, because of you. And I really feel that this is an assignment from the Lord. I woke up uh, at around five o'clock this morning. I usually wake up at around six, but I woke up at five. And I got out of my bed and I, and I, I was excited. I was like, what is going on? I went to the church to pray this morning and I could not stop feeling the presence of God. And I told Mark, I said, Mark, I feel something so heavy that I don't even know if it's about them. This is for me right now. And I was feeling just a, a mighty presence of God and the Lord started to speak to me uh, about this community. And it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I would normally say. Because what happens, and you know this, preachers have about seven or eight good messages that we preach and we repeat in different places and we get better. And people are like, wow, and you go to YouTube, you, you put that preacher's name, he has 20 of the same messages in different ways. And, um, and so that's not me right now. I wanna talk about this. Everybody say it with me, generational. I did not understand this until this morning. My gosh. So I want, to, uh, I want to start with some verses. They're all going to be messy, and then we're going to bring it together. I actually want to start at the end of the message, and then I'm going to come to the beginning. Can we all go to the book of Numbers chapter 13 really quick, and then I'll, I'll probably prophesy a little bit. Depending on, um, I'm depending on nothing on the Holy Spirit, completely depending on the Holy Spirit. Actually, we're going to go to uh, yeah, yeah, Numbers chapter 13. Yeah, Numbers 13. Uh, what, what Bible version do you guys use in this church? The NKJV? Okay, then I'll go to the NKJV. All right, so I want to, it's going to be a heavy read. I usually don't start reading like this. Uh, but we're going to go right here really quick. And it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. I want you to hear this right now. Say, God, God is giving us giving a land. land. All right. Um, can you say this one more time? Say, rescue. rescue. God is giving us land. Giving us but before you go into the land, he wants to prepare the people who can see it. That's right. And so, um, I, I, can I stop? I'm going well, to stop a lot. I'm going to speak, and then I'm going to stop. At moments, I'm going to speak, and at moments, I'm going to prophesy. When I go like this, it's a prophetic word. God did not give you the land before because he didn't want certain people to go into it. Praise yeah. the Lord. Wow. So, uh, send some men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Okay. So Moses sent, to them, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all the men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now, these were their names. I'm not going to go through it. 
We'll say Reuben and we'll say Reuben, okay? But then I'm going through another one. I want to skip all these names because it's a lot. I want to go to verse 7 from the tribe of Issachar, God, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim. This is important that you would see this, okay? And, um, and, and, and from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, whose name changes on. Moses changes his name. Moses gives this man a name change. Moses gives this guy an identity change. At this moment, he was still a man though after the identity change. At this moment that this change happened, at this moment that this change happens, he's now known as Joshua. He actually prophesies his future, that Jesus was coming because it's salvation, Yeshua. So here you see it, right? He gives him a name change. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and from the tribe of Issachar. So all these things happen, right? But I want you to see this. These are the names in verse 16, the men of when Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And they said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or are weak. He said, go and see. Tell me what you see. See if they're strong or see if they're weak. Few or many, whether the land that they dwell is in good or bad shape or whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor, whether they're forest or they're not. Be of good courage. He said, be of what? Good courage. He warned them. Did his leader warn them? Did the leader warn them? Did he say, be of good courage? Be courageous. Did he say that? I'm asking you a question, church. Did he say, be of good courage? I need you, church, to be of good courage. I need you to see it through the eyes of God. And bring some fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out of the land from the wilderness of Zin. And okay, they went all over. But I want you to read this. Anak was there. Anak was there. And now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. It's a lot of information. Then they came to the valley, and they, were, they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. It was that heavy that two of these little grasshoppers had to carry grapes on a pole. Do you know how much wine you could make with that? A lot. Do you see what's here? Do you see the provision in this place? They also brought pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land. They were there for 40 days. You see, they were there for 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel. But there were two voices, two different voices. Two men had one way of seeing things and 10 had another way of seeing it. The two men that saw it was Joshua and Caleb, and they said, oh my God, it's amazing. The other 10 said, I don't know what you're doing. Why are you sending us there to fail? Why are you sending us there to, to lose? Like, why? There's, there's giants. And then Joshua says, and Caleb says, yes, they're giant, giant grapes. No, they're giant enemies. They're giants in that land. What are you doing? I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm sifting because there's a group of people who cannot go there. And I will not bring people into a promised land if they don't have the eyes of promise. There are people who want the land but don't want the God of the land. That's not this house. There are communities that have 10 and there are communities that have two. The 10 want the provision but there are two who want the God of provision. They're churches that may not have the fancy things that some have, but they have exactly Joshua's and Caleb's who are, who are able to not only take the land, but take out the giants. This church was called to take out the giants of this region. All right, we're going to go there. And so I have a question for you. Why was Joshua and Caleb capable of... Of, of seeing provision in the midst of enemies, but specifically Joshua. Why was Joshua capable of seeing provision and seeing the promise of God in this land with the Amalekites, with all the giants? Why? Can you say with me why? why? Want me to give you an answer? Do you want an answer? Okay, I'm going to give you an answer. Because of the obedience of Moses. Hear me. They're looking at you. 
They look, your children are looking at you. And they're looking at you, and you're doing exactly what you saw him and your mother do. Hallelujah. And the reason why you're able to do things is because you saw the provision. Not only from him and your mom, but spiritual fathers that walk before you. And you've honored it. And that's why, Joshua, you're entering into the land now. Hallelujah. Eight years ago, before you opened up this church, I remember sitting at your table. And I told you it will be a long season yep. of a, a small group of people that will be a family. Remember those words? I, do. I said, but then, after that season is over, you're going to enter into the promised land. Today, as I was sitting down, I asked God, I said, how long has this church been open? He says, eight years. I asked you, and you said, it's been eight years. It's a new season. It's a new life. We're entering in now, now, and you'll see why. You'll see why in a minute. But say, I want you to hear this. Why was Joshua capable of entering into a land? I'm going to tell you why. Because of the, say with me, because of the obedience of Moses. One day Moses was exhausted and tired. He was an older man. And he had an encounter with the Lord. And he was up in a mountain where well, he was going to now have to face a group of men called the Amalekites. There were these giants. And see, the people of God had to cross over. And to get to the promised land, they had to fight these Amalekites. And so the Bible says that Moses went up to the mountain and to pray. And I think I got a nice picture of Moses with some people. I'm going to put it up, you know, for the, for the, just for the Instagram. There you go. Moses is here and he went up to the mountain to pray. He wasn't with people at this time. But Moses was there at the mountain. To pray. And the Bible says that two people were holding up his hands. And every time he lifted up his hands, the people would win. But every time he put his hands down, the people would lose. Right. It was literally an image of three lifting up their hands and the people would win. Right. It was a picture of the Trinity. And this is what Moses was supposed to do. Literally do an image of heaven on earth. He had to prophesy what was in heaven so that the earth can be shaken by what was happening in that mountain. Come on. There are three Come on. that are one. That every time they lift up their hands, the people move forward. And so the Bible says that Joshua was in the valley. Was Joshua with Moses in the mountain? Um, you could say no. Say no. no. That's the right answer. I'm going to ask you again. Was Joshua in the, in the mountain with Moses? Where was Joshua fighting? Where was Moses praying in the mountain? As Moses was praying, Joshua was fighting. Who else was up there? Aaron and who? And they were, they were lifting up his hands. And as Moses was lifting up his hands... Great blessings came down to the people of God. But Moses was about to leave. This is where it's at. Moses was about to go into the next place. And God says, hey, 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 you're not leaving yet. And I want to go into the book of Exodus. And I want to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. It's okay, you'll find it. Exodus chapter 17. The Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. How many books have you written? How many books? How a lot, huh? Those are your scrolls. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. And make sure that Joshua... Do me a favor. What does it say here? Make sure that what? That Joshua what? Hears it. Write it on a scroll, but make sure he hears it. It didn't say so that he reads it. It says so that he what? Hears it. Woo! Come on. Yep. Yep. That's right. Come on. Write it on a scroll so that he hears it. Because there's moments I need to be reminded of what God did. Yep. Yes. Because if I know what he did, I know what he can do. Yes. And it says, because it will completely blot out the name of Am Amalek from under heaven. 
Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. All right, do me a favor. It says here, Moses, don't go anywhere. God's speaking to Moses saying, hey, hey, wait, wait, don't go anywhere. You, yeah, Joshua fought. Yes, I showed up. But before you leave, write what happened on a scroll. Because Joshua needs to hear it. Do you know why Joshua had a perspective of fighting the Amalekites and the giants in the land? Because Moses wrote down on a scroll what he needed to hear. The others didn't hear it. Joshua heard it. I'm going to give you an explanation. I'm going to explain this to you. Yep, bring it. Come on. There's something that God is going to do with the generations of this church. My eyes could not stop going to the corner of where those children were playing around. And there's something, generation, that's here right now that you're doing. That it's more about them than it is about you. It's not that you won't see it. It's that it's greater. It's generational. It's a reason why you are in the position you are at the table right now. Because they're going to say, Adam wrote this down so that I could hear it. Moses wrote it down. And there's something interesting about this. Okay, I'm going to give you a little teaching. This is when the impartation of a spiritual father in our region comes into my brain. David Greco would do something like this. Put the, put the, put the three little Hebrew letters on the board. <laughs> and he called that place Jehovah Nisi. There's three letters in Nisi. Nun. Say with me, Nun. Samet. And Yod. Do you guys know what that means? It's okay. I didn't expect you to. I don't see any Jews or yarmulkes in the room. I think you look a little Jewish. You, you look a little, like an Asian Jew. Okay. All right. Drew, uh, uh, D. Steinberg. Is, is, is it Drew? Uh, Kim Stein. Kim Stein. Okay, they're fine. DK, I hear Kim, Kim Stein. Listen. Once I saw I had like 3% Ashkenazi Jew in my Asher's DNA, I was claiming money. I was like, Lord, bring it. <laughs> Promised land over here. So, <laughs> where was I? Talking about the Jews, Hebrew, what? Hebrew oh, Hebrew, okay, thank you so much. So these three letters in Hebrew, they're, they're say with me, Nun, Samed, and Yod. Okay, and so Nun means, you know what Nun means? Sun. means sun. The sun, it means that's the letters, noon. Samet is to protect. And yod is the smallest letter in Hebrew. And what does it mean? Hands. The Lord is my banner, but the three letters means this. The sun protected me with his hands. Moses was prophesying the future without even knowing that there's three that are one, and the three, it gets even deeper. If you look at Hebrew, and you see the name Yahweh, and you see the name Yeshua, and you see the name Ruach, how many nails were on the cross? Three. And guess what letter is in every single one of those names? Vav, which means nail. If you look at the story right here, Moses was prophesying that the cross has already, the cross already made a way for him. Yep. You see, the Jews will look towards the Messiah of what he will do. We look at what the Messiah already did. Jesus came to be generational because the first thing he came to do was testify, testify about his father. That's right. That's right. Are you with me? Did I lose some of you? No. If you did, don't worry. Next week, your pastor's a way better preacher than me. But hear this out. Joshua at this moment is standing in a place 
where now he has a perspective of being a winner simply because Moses wrote down what he needed to hear. I look at your son, Justice, and I thank God he came first. <laughs> and I thank God for Sarah imparting a lot of herself into that little boy. You know, it's beautiful. Just kidding. I look at Justice, and I remember when Justice was born. I've seen that kid grow. I remember when Zoe was born. I remember, oh, oh and the last one. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, I, and now when I see these kids... I had the, uh, the pleasure of meeting his mother and seeing the impartation she gave in those children. The impartation she gave in him and his brother and the generational authority that is passed on because of those parents who wrote down what they needed to hear. I see it and I say, God, what you're doing in this generation is not just Adam. It, has been, it was received, it was, it was shaken, and now it's being passed on. And we're going to go into some information about what the church is going to do with this. So here we see Joshua moving forward because something was passed on. One day justice is going to remember. How his father sat at the table with him. One day, Justice is going to remember, and Zoe, when grandma went to heaven, how my dad the next day worshipped. Didn't accuse God. Didn't get angry. Didn't call for another preacher. One day, he would say, I remember when my dad brought us on mission trips. They will say, the three of them will say this, but not just his children, your children. That's right. I'm using him as an example. They will stand in authority because a church was able to write down what God did in Haiti. So that they could hear it. I remember one day I'm standing. I'm not, a, I'm not a father yet, but I will be. It's amazing how God gave me the name of my son, but not the name of my wife. I don't understand that. <laughs> I was walking in the street one day, coming out of Patterson, out of the hood, because I was getting a haircut, because I like the way Dominicans cut hair. I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> Maybe they cut hair better, and they don't charge as much as the Puerto Ricans do. Because Puerto Ricans have papers, Dominicans don't always. Okay, so they have to take. They don't take credit cards. Everything is cash. So um, so. Oh man. I know that would make him laugh. Just make him. Just if you're Dominican, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm just, it's a Puerto Rican rivalry. Okay, so, and I'm walking across the street, and I heard the voice of God. I don't always hear the voice of God like this. And he said, and his name will be Jacob. Amazing. I don't, like, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I'm like, and what is, what is his mother's name going to be? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and you give me the name of a, of a deceiver? Like, his name is Deceiver? Really? And then I understand God was going to deceive me in a good way, though. Wow. Come on. And I remember hearing this, and as I'm crossing across the street, I hear this name. But God hasn't given me a child yet. He will. He knows that I'm too crazy for one, but now I'm ready. <laughs> but he gave me spiritual children. And not all the people in your church are your spiritual children. I have a church of around 350 right now, and they're not our kids. I have one. I have one daughter right now, one spiritual daughter that, that, that is my responsibility. She thinks it's weird that I've said, you're my child. But I have a responsibility over her. It happens to be this guy's fiance. And I remember that we were um, in the time of COVID. And the Lord told me to empty out our bank account in the church. And I did. You know who I gave it to? Everyone who didn't have immigration papers or legal papers, documents, residency. I gave it to all of the uh, illegal immigrants in the nation. Because God didn't call the government to take care of them. God called the church to take care of them. That's not the government's problem. That's our problem. And the Lord said, hey, Trump is giving money to all of us. 
Go take care of the people who don't have anything. And I started calling people. And then one day we emptied our bank accounts. I was excited. This was the way I was going to close the church and move to Florida. <laughs> we can't go to Florida, okay? We're not going to Florida, all right? I was, you hear me? No tropical places. God has us here. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, And then like the next week, we emptied the bank account. And, and that night, that night, by the way, uh, who was running the finances calls me and says, we got no money. And I said, yes, we do. It's in my bank account. Because if the church can't take care of it, it's my responsibility. I'm going to take care of it. And the father said, you're not the father of the church. I am. I will take care of it. And so I remember telling my assistant at the time that I was going to sell my stocks because I knew that the devil wasn't work. And I sold them. I was going to sell all my Moderna and my Pfizer stocks because people... <laughs> We're going to get, you know, the job. So I was going to take advantage of the stupidity in the nation. So I, I went in and I, and I, and I, I was, and, and I heard her said, no, don't do it. That night, it was Saturday. The next day we had to pay bills. The building owner of our church, who happens now to be a congregant, drops a check of around $40,000 to cover all of our expenses. He didn't even know what we did. Companies around, around started hearing about the church giving money to the immigrants, and they started flocking money in. We, had, we were left in our church. Our church was left with about 25 to 30 congregants after COVID. We were left with 25 to 30 congregants to sustain a $20,000 a month bill. We didn't know how it happened, but we had more with the 25 than we had with the 200 that used to be there. Because we don't need 12. We need Hear me. There's a reason why Joshua only sent two spies to Jericho. He didn't need so many opinions. He needed two people with the right heart and mind. Beautiful. That's good. So look at this. All of a sudden, I, hear the, I see this house. Yeah, I don't usually preach like this, right? No. I, hear the, I, I see this house across the street from the church. And we're in the middle of a boom. Everyone's buying houses. How many tried to buy houses during COVID? Horrible. You couldn't do it. Everyone is out by, outbidding you. All of a sudden, I see this property for sale, and I see the sign, and I'm like, oh, it's for sale. Great. I want to buy it with no money. No money. And my father, dead. My mother, she, she's on the bank. I had no money, nothing. And all of a sudden, I walk into an, a, a, a house, and there's an old Italian man who happens to be a lawyer, and he says, uh, you want to buy this place? And I say, yeah, I want to buy the place. I'm selling it cash. You got cash? Yes. Come on. I gulped. <laughs> I said, all right, so how much you have? And I looked at the bank account of the church. We had like 175000 only at the time. So I'm shaking my head. Or I don't know, like, I don't even know. We had like 170000 so I'm shaking my head at the moment, and I'm like, this is after all that boom, all that happened with, the, with, the, uh, with giving to the, to the, to the, to the people who, you know, who are illegally here. And I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what am I going to do, God? I'm, I'm supposed to buy this place cash. He's asking for like $4.75. I said yes. I don't know why I said yes. I don't know what I'm doing here. What's going on? At that moment, his fiance, who's like my, my daughter, is up in a room living in the nunnery of our church because there's women living at that place. And she's up there. She left her house. She was the, she's the daughter of ministers. She left her house because during the pandemic, under the influence of ganja, she repented, packed up her bags, went to the church and said, I must leave this lifestyle. And I said, come here. And she lived on top of our, our church and she built a young adult ministry and he got saved in the middle of that situation. So watch this. She hears me coming up the stairs to speak to the person who was helping me leave the church at that time. And I said, we're buying a house. The church is buying a house. Yeah, yeah, we're buying a house. She walks out her door and she's sitting at the, t she's sitting at the, at the edge of the door and she's looking at me. She goes, how? I said, I don't know, but it's going to be cash. How much is it? He wants $4.75. How are we going to do this? I don't know. I'm starting to sign papers, starting to scratch heads. Starting to notice that, oh my God, I don't have enough money in my own bank account to cover this. What am I going to do? 
In the contract, we would have lost a lot of money if we didn't come out up with the money in about three to six months. We, we had a, 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 a window of time and the money wasn't there. But I had it. One day, about a week before signing that contract, hear me. I'm in the kitchen, in the church upstairs. Rebecca walks out of her room and she stands at the corner of the door. And she's with the little cup. She's a little thing. And she goes, like this. I'm doing my best impression of her. Am I doing it right? She went like this. And she goes, I have heard of miracles that God has done with you. Listen to me. And you have a responsibility. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because you are the scribe that's going to write things down. You're the man that is going to write. And you're the man that's going to have documents of what God is doing here. Because the generations need to hear this. Listen. She's standing at the door. And she's going like this. She goes, I heard of what God has done with you. The crazy financial miracles. Have we not seen it, Adam, in our lives? How God shows up. I heard about it. But now I can't wait to see it. So I went home that night. And I said, all right, God. I don't even want the property. I don't even want the property anymore. I don't care for the land. I do not care. And I don't know what came upon me. I don't care, God, if you give us this building or not. But there's a girl who I'm taking responsibility over. I have confessed to her about how good you've been and how much provision you have given me. These are the things you have done for my life. Lord, I don't care about it, but I care about her faith and I care about her heart. She needs to see you come through, God. Yep, that's right. I need her to see you show up. That's right. And there are moments that I have no strength. I have nothing in me. But I know that there's a generation that has to see me succeed, move forward, and take the land that God has called me to take. I know there's a generation that has to see me cry and wipe my tears and put my big boy pants on and keep on moving. I know there's a generation that has to see me face Jezebel. I know there's a generation that has to see me face Ahab. I know there's a generation that has to see me face the Amalekites. And so she's standing there and I went to the Lord and I said, you cannot fail her. 24 hours before signing the documents and Mark went with me. 24 hours before signing those documents, we still didn't have the money. Do you remember this? Someone shows up to the church on a Monday randomly and says, I don't know why I have to give you this check. I looked at it and I said, I know why. The next day, we don't even know. We don't even know how the the check cleared, but it went in. And we went to sign property. But the property wasn't what God wanted to give me. God wanted Mark to see the Lord show up. God needed him to see provision where there was none. God needs these children to see what you guys are doing in the nations. God is putting you here as an example of his authority and his sovereign choosing in this place. Amen. Amen. That's right. God gave Haiti to a small church in New Jersey that a government won't be able to fix, but a word that was spoken that you heard but was written. Because of a generation that knew how to lift up altars. God told me, he told me, I need you to start writing down everything I do. Yeah. And when I say document this, I mean, you need to document it. You guys need to, you guys need to document what God is doing. There's a major responsibility that you have, young man. I call you young, even though you're Asian, you don't age, so you could be like 70. But then you hit 75 and then you go like this. What? I could say that because I'm, I'm like my great grandmother's from the Philippines. So I'm, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm Asian in some form of way. And all the Chinese food that I eat makes me a form of Asian. So um, Thai food and stuff. So I know I'm politically incorrect because this is what this church does to you. Um, but hear me out. I'm coming to an end. 
When I mean document this, there is something that God wants to do here. Because what happens, what's happening right now in the season of this church is that he's calling this church to write down, write down, write down, write down, write down. Yeah. So, can I share something short? Yes. Teofilo gave me a handmade leather book. And on our anniversary, I gave it to her, which is his wife, to document what God's done. And I've had that book for probably a year or two, and I didn't know what it was for. And the Lord wow. showed me. Come on. on our eighth anniversary, wow. I gave it to them. Wow. And the Lord came to wow. his deacons. Wow. Can I, can, I, can, I just want to no, I, I, I want to I I go ham right now. Go for it. <laughs> I didn't come to this church to impress you. Yep. I literally came as a prophetic assignment. Because you don't, you don't understand. Adam, and I say Adam, but I, he's your pastor. He's my brother. Adam and I have a lot of fun. Uh-huh. We are like kids. Mm-hmm. Like the, those kids over there in the nations, when no one's around, when people are around, I'm, I'm a nuisance. I don't care who's watching me. I'm the same person here, out there. But we have a lot of fun. But this morning, the Lord told me, you're not going just as his brother. You're going as his brother who's a prophet to the city. And I took that responsibility very serious. I'm not here today because of his birthday. I'm not here today to honor him. I'm here to honor him. And I'm taking this real serious right now. The prophecies of wealth. The prophecies of expansion. The prophecies of multi things that he wants to do with you. You've entered in. Because the ten are gone. Now. Now. And you've been feeling it. The time is now. It's a season of order. That's right of changes. Adullam's cave is over. The 300 is done. It's the season to take. It's the season to run. It's the season of expansion. They're going to come in now. They're going to run to you. You remember this when they travel over an hour and a half to get to you. Because they find here what they couldn't find in other places. I have to share this in one formal way. It's going to come together. But God told me to write these three things down. I didn't understand it this morning. So I want you to take this moment as a break of what I was talking to, talking about. But we're going to add it together. Everybody go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 11 verse 30. Sarai was barren and she had no child. You know who Sarai is? Joshua's what? Great, 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 great grandma. If she was barren and couldn't have a child, there would be no Joshua. So we're looking right now of of a situation that had an issue. But we already know the answer because Joshua is in the land. But he came from a barren family. Hear this out. Hear me out. Did you just speak in Spanish? Si. Si, que bueno. Mark, this gringo speaks Spanish. What is wrong with you? Can we trade gringos? No, 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 I'm keeping Mark. I have an assignment with him. I'm just kidding. I love you, man. Sarah was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, and his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son's Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur and, uh, to go into the land of, of Canaan. And they came up into Charon, and they dwelt there. Okay, say with me, Sarah was barren. Sarah was barren, okay. Uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Okay, guess who else was barren? Rebekah. And you know where Rebekah came from? The same family as Abram. The same family as Sarah. Because Abram and Sarah, they were half brother and half sister. Ew. They had six fingers, probably. Someone was a little bit, you know, awkward in that family. Okay, so. 
And so Isaac and Rebekah, see, see this over here, Genesis 25, verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Who is this? Say with me, Sarah's who? Son is barren. Now, I could imagine Isaac at that moment seeing that his wife couldn't have kids. But you know what? Isaac is like, you know, honey, you can't, you know, what's going on? And she's saying, it's on your side of the family. And he's saying, it's on your side of the family. He's saying, but we have the same grandparents. <laughs> Ew. It's a small wedding. Okay, so imagine that. It would be so, he's like 40 people, all at the same wedding, fighting for the, for the land because, you know, they, it's, it's all our land. So here we are, and we see this, that Isaac's, Isaac, the son of Sarah, his wife is barren too. But I could imagine what Isaac was feeling. I could imagine at that moment, Isaac saying, but wait a minute, I came from a barren woman. Don't worry, honey, because my mom was too. All I have to do is wait on the one who made a way for me to come. So the reason why Isaac was able to produce a miracle is because he was the, he was the one that was written about. Okay, guess what? Isaac had two sons. What were their names? Jacob and who? And Esau. Guess what? Jacob was a little bad boy. And Jacob had two wives. One was who? Leah. And the other one was who? Rachel. And if you look at this, and that's in there, Mark. If you look at this, both of them, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel, okay, Jacob and his two wives, Leah. And it's not that he chose this. He wanted one, and the father was going to give the other wife to him. But he says, no, I can't give you this one until the older one is pretty. I mean pretty. I'm sorry. Sorry. The other one is, gets married too, so he fooled them. But what's interesting about this, what is Jacob's name? Jacob is deceiver. Who was the father of his, uh, of his wives? His uncle. Guess what his uncle did? Deceived them. So there was deception in the family too. So there's not only generational blessings in this family. I want you to see this. There were some generational issues that were there too. All the women from that family were barren. Jacob was a lot like his uncle, a deceiver. Are you seeing this yet? So there's generational blessings, but there are also generational issues. Sarah comes from the same family as Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. They all come from the same family. And, all, and, and they all at one moment were barren. God gives Leah an opportunity to conceive. If you look at it in the book of Genesis chapter 25, 21, um, verse 31, this is when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her. What, why does he enable her? He opened up her womb because her womb was closed to have a child. But Rachel remained childless. Who was the one that was shutting down the womb? God. But if you look at this, there was a specific reason, and I'm going to go back to this one, why God did not let Sarah have a baby. There was a reason why God held the rescue where he held it for a season. Not because you guys were doing anything wrong. It's because he was holding you for a certain time. Because you know why God did not want Sarah to have a baby? Because that baby would have been born in Egypt. And God was not going to let his promise be born in the land of the enemy. Wow. Jesus couldn't be born in Egypt. He could have escaped to Egypt. So when they leave Egypt, Sarah starts having children. But guess what happens? The enemy wants to have his way. And he finds an Egyptian to have us, a child. This is what God did not want. God did not want to share his promise with other gods. I'm coming in heavy. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob, Leah, and Rachel all had very similar stories, similar curses, similar problems, but also they all so the hand of God show up. So what does it mean to be generational? We need to teach the generations that even though we went through it, we also saw God show up. I promise you, one day your son, as you're an old man, will say, I remember what my father did when his mother went to the glory.
I saw how faithful my father was to a small group of people, and he did not give up, not only my father, but my mother as well, and how my grandfather stood there, and how the church family was faithful. Stand up with me. Am I okay? DK. The Lord brought you out where he took you out from. And he gave you so much wisdom for the moment you're living in right now. You were in a place of holding, waiting for something pure, something authentic, something real. You refused to defile yourself with the systems created by man. There were many questions that you had. And the Lord held you. The time is now. You were sent here, not only to lift up the hands of the head of this house, but to build an army. You were sent with dreams and visions and order. Hear me. With the perspective that was needed to grow this place. The years of waiting. He was waiting for you. And I don't believe in signaling a person out, not that this community is falling on you. But God has a very interesting situation in this community. Where he's literally calling you guys, not only to walk with him and Sarah, but to build and to multiply and to disciple. There is a heavy responsibility on your shoulders. And you have felt the weight. And the Lord is teaching you how to carry it. And that it won't be a burden, but it will be a joy. Yep. I don't want to welcome the Holy Spirit. He's already here. Come on. But the one thing that the Lord told me to do was to pray for the weight of His glory into this place. I know you may want prophecies, but I didn't come for that. I came to speak to the to the foundations of this community, the order is now. There are changes that are coming now. We're going to start getting ready for the growth now. There are things that might seem uncomfortable that we didn't do years before that we're going to have to do now. And it's not because we just want, you know, to be like other people, but we have to get ready for what is coming. Amen. Amen. I, I've been corrected. What is here? Say with me, order. order. Say with me, order. order. The generations are watching us. How would we expect our children to honor God if we are not honoring Him? Let's honor the Lord. Oh my gosh. Let's lift up our hands for a moment. And I just, I'm just going to pray. Mark, get up. Stand up with me. You receive too. I just want to pray for an intense power of presence of God to just hit this room. We don't need to mask it with music or bring an emotional response. No, no, Father, we, we, we don't need it. We want it because you've already given it. But we want an increase of your presence. Oh my gosh. So katarama, Oh, Barama soli veto rema maestro. Hapa sore que te dimenso lo I invite you in this room to open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Tell him how sweet he is. 
There is a great weight of the glory of God in this place. My gosh, my gosh, my gosh, my God, my Lord, my God, my Father. Oh, Abba, more, 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 more. Adam, put your hands on his back right here for a minute. Mm. And I'm going to need you just to repeat with me. Put your hands on his heart. Ooh, on his heart. Don't worry about the camera. Someone record this for me. Ooh, say, 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 and Adam, I'm, I'm going to need you to stay serious as I say this because it's prophetic. I just need you to say, I like gifts. Say, say, I like gifts. I like gifts. But you're one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. Don't underestimate yourself. You are so important. Yep. Say it to him. Say it to him. You were, you so were but you still are. You still are. Don't feel shaken and misplaced. Tell him. Don't feel shaken and misplaced. But there's things that you need for the next season. And you ask me specifically in intimacy with me, God, tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to remove. And it was good until a certain time, everything that I've given you. But now I'm showing you another side of yourself that I'm putting my hands on again and I'm dealing with. Because it's not that I need you to improve. You, you pull it out of me. At this moment of your life, I need you to believe in the call that is in you. And I need you to produce more. Because I don't only want to give it to you in the supernatural. I want to give it to you in the natural. I need you to dream more. And I need it to cost you. I need you to believe in yourself, says the Lord. Because everything I have given you is going to help you succeed to where you want to go. I'm bringing back the dreams. I'm bringing back the visions. And I'm giving you the order. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. You've been asking me, Lord. What is it that I need to do. The Lord says, in the middle of this, don't forget you're a son. In the middle of this, don't forget how important you are. And what you've carried and how faithful you have been. Yep. Yep. The Father's telling me, son, you've been a good son. Good son. Good son. And you don't feel like it. I, I apologize, but I command every accusation against you yes. to stop right now in the name of Jesus. My God. I want you to look at your pastor. And you said, there's more in me. Take it out. Take it out of me. Say, this is longevity. Say, this is long term. Let me tell you something. Son, come over here. As soon as I saw you, the Lord told me that he stopped your plans in life when you walked into this place. <laughs> you had different, a different idea, but I had one. He said, you dream, but I dream. I stopped you. Amen. Come in. That's right. You want it easy? You can have it easy. You want the sun? You can have the sun. But I have a purpose for you that even goes beyond this city and its nations that I want to give you to. There was a moment in... There was a moment in prayer with you and the Lord. I'm going to bring this out. I'm going to bring this conversation between you and God. I'm going to bring this conversation. And you stop me if I'm wrong. Where you even were at a daring moment with the Spirit of... Where you were saying, if you send me, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do it. There was such a daring like, desire of first love, of passion, that you would be willing to... If, you, if he sends me to Haiti to live, I'll, I'll go. I, it's going to cost, but I'll do whatever it is, God, you want me to do. And the Lord says, Isaac, stop. The Lord stood you, kept you where you're at right now. Because he knew your heart was willing, but he still wanted to give you the tools that you needed to do what you're going to do even when you're an older man. 
Look at her say, our generations need to see it. Our obedience. Say generations. Say with an S. Generations. Okay. I know what I'm talking about. I want to say some more, and I'm almost done. The spirit of adoption is on this church. As I was sitting down, I saw another child in your home. But it wasn't one that you made. Yes. He is. And it was interesting because if the desire of your heart is to even bring in a daughter, you could do that too. But I literally saw, I saw a little brown baby running around your house. And it was not only for you to do it. It was that your community was going to be literally like invested in taking care of the fatherless. It was not only about your heart, it was about what others had to see. I end here. Why Haiti? Because God is revisiting wells. And he doesn't trust everyone with that country. Haiti sparked the revolution of freedom in all of Latin America. Did you know that? Even America was, was impacted by what happened in Haiti. With the French. My family was thrown out of Haiti. French family. My dad's name is Olipe. My grandfather was Olipe. Because the Haitians took them out. And they had to escape to Puerto Rico. Come on. Wow. Because of what happened in Haiti. Interesting. That God is revisiting this nation. But you know what? The government, the corrupt government, is never going to get better. Until the church that God called to take the nation. And I'll say this. One day, he and I both share the exact same political views. You're a little more extreme. <laughs> but I believe everything he believes. He puts things in public, what I send them in private in his inbox. And we laugh so hard. And then every time I share his stuff, I get shadow banned on social media. It's a love, I just love it. That's why I don't, that's why I don't like, if I, today I have like 10,000 people watching me, tomorrow I have three if I share one of his things. It's so funny. So, but share his stuff. Okay, just kidding. I just wanted to make you guys laugh. One day, my God. The Lord was speaking to me about why we have the president we have. And the church is so angry about laws that are happening around the globe in our nation. Why are they allowing this? And the Lord says, do you know why this is happening? It's not the government. It's the church that's not discipling people. Because you could have any law you want, but if Christians are Christians, they wouldn't participate in what's happening. Come on. That's right. There you go. That's so true. And so, Adam, it doesn't matter what government is corrupt in Haiti. The Lord told you that he was establishing his government and his kingdom, and he's entrusting you as his ambassador for the nation. I see four. Say with me, four. I see four either organizations or ministries that are going to start to partner with you. Invest heavily. There's conversations already happening. About investment and about land and about money and about things that they want to do. And it's going to be such a crazy oasis of what you're going to build because the Lord is telling you it's not only for you, but the generations of the children of this house. Listen to me. Listen to me. We'll go and build too. Abraham opened wells, but so did Isaac. Yep. And so did Jacob. Wells and altars. 
What has he called you to do? What has he called your children to see? There's reasons why God brought you here. He was changing your mind and the way you see life when he brought you to this place. To give you a greater understanding of what it is to be a Christian, a disciple, a believer, a follower. Not just to be a churchgoer. But to live what the Bible says, my God Almighty. God bless you, Rescue Church. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.